In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Till you dead or you gone So on that note I'm leaving after the song So you ain't gotta feel No way about Jay so long But at least let me tell you Why I'm this way Hold on I was conceived by Gloria Carter And Adnan Reeves Who made love under the sycamore tree Which makes me A more sicker MC And my mama would claim At 10 pounds when I was born I didn't give her no pain I told through the years I gave her her fish Yeah, I gave her a first real scare I made it for birth when I got here She knows my purpose Wasn't purpose I ain't perfect, I can't But I feel worthless Cause my shirts wasn't matching my kid Now I'm just scratching the surface Cause what's buried under there Was a kid Torn apart, once his pop disappeared. I went to school, got good grades, could behave when I wanted. But I had demons deep inside that were raised when confronted. Hold on. Me and my mama couldn't beat me hard enough to match the pain of my pop not seeing me. So, with that disdain in my membrane, got on my pimp game, fucked the world. My defense came, then the haven introduced me to the game. Spanish Jose introduced me to Kane. I'm a hustler now, my gear is in and I'm in the in crowd. And all the way be light skinned girls is loving me now. My self esteem went through the roof, man. I got my swag. Got a vocal from this girl when the man got back. Plus, I hit my mama with cash from a show that I had. Supposedly, knowing nobody paid jazz, whack ass. I'm getting ahead of myself by the way I can rap. But that can't Second to me moving is crack. Give me a second, I swear. I would say about my rap career. To 96 King, I'm here. Goodbye. A 
adrenaline rush. Your blood boils, you in a spot, knowing cops can rush. And you in the drop, you so easy to touch. No two days are alike, except the first and 15, pretty much. And trust is a word you seldom hear from us. Hustlers, we don't sleep, we rest one eye up. And the drop to find a man when the well dries up. You learn the worth of water without work, you thirst, you die. Yep. And niggas get tired of a product, the little brothers, ring fingers get cut up to show mothers they really got them. And this is the stress I live with, till I decided to try this rap before living. I pray I'm forgiven for every bad decision I made, every sister I played. Cause I'm still paranoid to this day, and it's nobody for I made the decisions I made. This is the life I chose, so rather the life that chose me. If you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Maybe you love me when I fade to black. If you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Maybe you love me when I fade to black. If you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Maybe you love me when I fade to black. If you can't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Maybe you love me when I fade to black. Thank you, Mr. Z. I think that is just a jam and a half. That's why I played the entire thing. Remember to use the timestamps if you don't want to hear that. If you if you're like, no, I don't I don't want to be pumped up like that. I do not want to feel the joy of a mashup. Just skip right ahead to it. It's right there in the timestamps, folks. It'll say uh, show notes, and you can skip right to that second and minute. This is so bad, it's good with Ryan Bailey. It is Wednesday, hump day, you guys. It is so embarrassing. If you could have sat with me for the last two hours where I found, so I could find the, the mashup that that touched me in the moment. And you guys, I went through so many options. I know I say this all the time, but you don't realize it is becoming the, the most work I'm putting into the show is finding these three-minute... Whew. Okay, but we did it. We got another... another. But you know what? You, 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 you get to the end of the day and you just get... I get zoned out by music. I just... And it's... No, it's amazing. It's fun. It's good. We're all good. We're just going to get right to the interview today because we have a great long interview with our old pal, friend of the pod, and and host of her own uh, amazing podcast, Sarah Galley from Andy's Girls. Um, You're going to love this talk. It goes into so many Bravo things. And then halfway through, we get deep. She turns it around on me and all of a sudden becomes like my therapist. It got deep, but then don't worry. I got her out of that. We got back to Bravo. Uh, a couple of things before we we start with Sarah. Uh, keep uh, Bob Odenkirk, the actor comedian, in your prayers today. Uh, word, a late night word that he passed out on the set and was rushed to the hospital in New Mexico on the New Mexico set of Better Call Saul. Uh, if you guys have been following my TV journey, I've been, uh, that was one of the shows I binged in the last couple of months and I made it through five seasons and they're filming the sixth one. And, and that just, 
you know, he's a a 59-year-old man, and he's worked uh, pretty steadily through his entire career, but uh, a lot on the comedy side. If you know uh, David Cross, the comedian, he used to have Mr. Show with Bob and Dave. Uh, He wrote on Saturday Night Live. This man had a whole other career before he stumbled upon the, the part of Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad. And then the creator of Breaking Bad liked him so much that they created Better Call Saul around him and all of a sudden he was a lead. You know, he you know, he's not a bad-looking guy, but he's not Brad Pitt and 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 all of a sudden he was the hero. I think it is such a cool show and and you kind of like you're like, "Man, this guy is a leading man." I love shows that buck the trends and makes um Kind of, he's not your typical leading man, and I love that about that show. It is so good. I really, man, I was so bummed out. And uh, let's see, at 10 05 p.m. tonight, David Cross, his comedy partner, wrote, I will share what I know when I can, but Bob is one of the strongest people I know, both physically and spiritually. He will get through this. So I'm not sure exactly what this is. I'm sure we'll find out more tomorrow, but man, I hope everything is okay because uh, real, real big fan of his. Also, a real big fan of Simone uh, Bieles, I, I, I always screw up her last name, uh, from the Olympics. Uh, she has uh, she has backed out of the Olympics, or uh, uh, you know, she has made the decision not to compete. I think uh, it is probably one of the braviest the bravest decisions you can ever uh, make when you're in the position that she is in. And I've read a lot of discourse today. I'll probably do more about this on Thursday's episode uh, because man, what a strong ass woman! Like what I mean. For anybody that says otherwise, you should read into this girl's history because, uh, wow, what she has been put through and to 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 be the level at which she is at. Uh, they were starting to be unable to to judge her because she was pushing female gymnastics into a realm it had never been in. So um, so you know, sad potentially for 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 USA gymnastics, but I think in a way, I mean, what a testament to the USA, you know, is that this, this, this fighter, she has been through so much and she chose to put herself first. And, uh, I I don't know. I, I, I keep reading more about this and her and a lot of things just impress me. And, uh, and we know this, if we study anything, if we study pop culture or life or whatever, is that, uh, this obviously isn't the end of her story. And, um, I think, one of the bravest decisions you can make is something that people might not understand immediately. Actually, let me read this real quick. This is a statement from uh, uh, a gymnast friend of a gentleman named Brandon Marino. He he put this out, and I read this on Twitter, and I, I found it really interesting. I wanted to read it with you guys real quick. He says, uh, It makes me so frustrated to see comments about Simone not being mentally tough enough or quitting on her team. We are talking about the same girl who was molested by her team doctor throughout her entire childhood and teen years, won the world all-around championship title while passing a kidney stone, put her body through an extra year of training through the pandemic, added so much difficulty to her routines that the judges literally do not know how to properly rate her skills because they are so ahead of her time. All of this while maintaining her responsibilities to her endorsement deals, the media, personal relationships, etc., and some people can still honestly say Simone is soft, she is a quitter. That girl has endured more trauma by the age of 24 than most people will ever go through in a lifetime. For non-gymnasts, the fact that she balked midair and accidentally did a 1.5 on her first fault instead of a 2.5 is a big deal. It's terrifying. 
She could have been severely injured getting lost in the air like that. The fact she somehow landed on her feet shows her experience as in, and is incredible. The margin for error on a skill like that is insanely low. A very small wrong move and career-ending or even worse, life-threatening injuries can occur. After her track record of all she's pushed through, the fact that she took herself out of the competition on her own merit means that whatever she is dealing with internally has to be insurmountable and should be taken seriously, despite what she's able choosing to articulate to the public in interviews. We will never know or fully understand her personal choices and struggles. She does not deserve to have any judgment passed, number one, because she's a human, and number two, after all she's done for the sport plus all that she's had to endure because of this sport, and the joke of an organization who protected her predator instead of her and her teammates for years. Regardless if she comes back for AA and EF or not, she is the GOAT. And I thought that summed it up really beautifully. Um, I think, man, what a champion, what a warrior. So uh, send your vibes out today to Simone as well. And, and please, uh, I, I know that that might have been uh, intense to hear, but I think really at the you, you can take so much positivity from that because, wow, what somebody to look up to with that kind of strength. I mean, I know that inspired me as, as a, like an older man. I'm like, damn, if I could have an ounce of what Simone might have. And I'm not even an Olympics fan, but damn, you got to admire that style. Really, really beautiful. So somebody that had every opportunity to quit, and I think that you know, I I, I know this this might sound silly, but when I was talking uh, yesterday to Shane Keo, it was another guy that kind of inspired me of like an opportunity of when to quit when things don't go your way, and instead pushed forward and made themselves a better person. And I take a lot of inspiration from that, and I hope you guys too do too. Uh, okay, that is it. No more seriousness. Are you ready to laugh? I'm telling you, you're going to love Sarah Galley. You know her already. You, you listen to Andy's Girls. Please follow her on Instagram. She's very close to 10,000. I think we can get her there before BravoCon. But this is about all our shows we love. This is Potomac. This is Beverly Hills. Uh, Salt Lake City gets brought up a lot. We talk uh, Atlanta and New York. We talk my uh, elementary school experience. We go all over the map. And I think this is just a great conversation. Remember, there's going to be a commercial halfway through for HelloFresh. Please support HelloFresh for 14 free w- meals using my code SOBAD14. And, and that is, that's weird because the, the food is not bad. It's, it's so, it should be so good, 14. You guys, thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, I will talk to you again on Thursday. Hello, guys. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. This is your Wednesday episode. We are halfway through the week. Uh, this could be the toughest day for you, potentially. So to to make it easier for you, I have one of my favorite guests, and we are going to talk uh, pretty much nonstop Bravo, I would imagine. We might dip into Benefer. I don't know, but we'll see where it goes because this person, you can literally... You can go anywhere with if I if I zag left, she'll zig left. It'll be it's gonna be. She even told me she goes, "You row the boat, whatever that means." So I'm gonna row the boat today, um, which is very exciting to be a rower. Uh, but you you know this is actually a real professional at talking about what we all love. Bravo, you know her from the hit podcast Andy's Girls, a Real Housewives podcast. Her name is the one and only Sarah Galley. Sarah, welcome back to the show. Oh my God! Thank you so much for having me. Couple couple thoughts just right up 
right up top. Oh, oh, um, oh wow, she's on fire already, <laughs> folks. This is oh, wait, who's rolling the boat here, Sarah? <laughs> I'm gonna do a little doggy paddle. I do have a banner for non-story, but I find it interesting. Okay, what is it? From when they were dating. Oh, there's a top three, my friend. Also, <laughs> I, when you said hump day, I assumed you meant because I was the guest. That's how I received that <laughs> It really is. It's how we receive. I, by the way, I love it, Potomac, when uh, the first episode when they were. Who are they talking? And, and uh, maybe it was Giselle or something there. She's like, I receive that. Yeah. Like, I love when people professionally receive things. Like, I will receive your comment and yeah. I will not take it in, but I will act like I'm listening. I oh, mean, Candace said that. I, and and Karen Huger's a big a big fan these days and maybe always of like I'm gonna give her a moment you know like whatever the language is like all right so somebody well, needs to have a little time and she's I a gracious, understand Karen, she's a Karen gracious is host. a gracious queen she is a mm-hmm. gracious queen that wants to share in the spotlight with other uh, women in business I think she by the way you guys would probably work well together you and Karen. <laughs> Would we? Oh yeah, because <laughs> because because uh, my Instagram is Dame Galley and she's la dumb. Well, no, because because you have a fragrance coming out too. Oh my god, did I tell you about that? Yeah, wouldn't it be great if you if if podcasters got into the fragrance game? You know, it's coming eventually. By the way, we're still rabid. We're gonna we're gonna do some work, a candle line. I could see you doing. You know what? Well, first off, I have candles from Dr. Tiffany Moon. I've never lit. I don't know how to light a candle. I at one point Googled. This is not a joke. I have no life skills. I, I'm an enormous failure from that perspective and some others. But when I, I Googled like what happens if a candle gets hot or something, I forget that it was like, how do I light it on fire or something? I thought there was a process. Also, I was like, don't you need a plate underneath it? I thought. I don't know. I, Sarah, there you I, wait. I, I, I even know. I wait, do, do you know what the? You know, there's like a wick, right? You light the wick. There's a wick yeah, on but the it's candle. Like, you don't even. <laughs> like, I don't oh know. How I don't do you... know. You. I don't have matches, so I would use my stove. I'm not joking. I. I truly light. If if something needs to be lit, aside from my personality in my apartment, <laughs> it's getting lit on my stove. I feel like eventually don't have this podcast will be used in some kind of lawsuit against you. Like she. She obviously didn't know how to light it. Yet she tried to light it. Burned the whole building down. She said it right here on the podcast. A hundred percent. That's what my parents put the fear of literal death in me as a child. They were like, if you light a candle or anything in our house and it burns down, like you're going to wish you died in that fire because what (laughs) we're going to do to you is so much worse. So I have a I have a like true fear of candles. But Tiffany, Dr. Tiffany sent me can't, but I haven't lit them, but I smell them. Well, I mean, right? I, are you going to get any of Dr. Mia Thornton's candles from Real Housewives of Potomac? Her fuck you candle. You know what's so depressing is that her candle, I think you can buy now and you cannot yet buy Wendy's. Dr. Wendy's, yeah. I mean, well, I I know we're hopping all over the plate. We're, yeah, we're no, too excited. We, this we is we so did, exciting. This is so exciting. So Dr. Wendy, I... I really like Dr. Wendy, and I don't think she's tanking as much as everybody wants to say, oh, second season, you know, people get weird of like, oh, she's really the, overcompensating the yeah. with the Zen Wen thing, you know? <laughs> and and I do realize that these ladies like, oh, Zen Wen, that'll, that, that's something fun to bring to the show. And you can kind of tell it, but I don't mind it with her. But I do mind somebody that has a flipping brain in their head that's like so smart. I, I've like, I was so impressed with her last season, and then she's making candles. I'm like... 
And, and, and the same thing with Dr. Tiffany Moon. You ladies are so smart. And I just figure candles would be the last thing you would even try to push. You know, like you're so much better than candles. No offense to candles. I just it's the positioning of it where I'm confused. Like the Tiffany aspect, I think she does it for charity. It makes a lot of sense because of her work as an anesthesiologist. So like the, the names drugs of on the candles yeah, or the cute. drugs and it has actual labels on it. It's very, very well designed and they're very chic and fabulous. But that is not her job her job is to be a doctor we also know her from housewives yeah and then she also has candles it's like a subcategory with wendy the way she was positioning the candle stuff i i genuinely was confused because i was like wait are we no longer doing the professor work the on-camera work she has clarified online she still is i mean did it dry up i mean did zen went did the i mean well no because you got to figure like sometimes if you're on these shows like being like really serious like a serious talking head yeah but well monetize but also i wonder if like networks like fox and msnbc going like yo you're a housewife now it's not really a great look for us to have you know somebody that that is on a show that you know i i that doesn't promote violence but you had the whole candace uh monique fight Last year, I mean, I don't think that's the problem. I don't think the problem is that, you know, uh, Danielle is pulling uh, Margaret's hair. I think the problem (laughs) is, is that she might be interested in pursuing other aspects of herself, which we we saw play out. I mean, the conversation under the conversation to me when she was having those conversations with her mom last season was like, I want to do other stuff like, you know, the camera crew that's shooting us right now. So I'm talking to you about changing my career. Obviously, that has already my career interests have shifted already. And God bless. She totally. I mean, I fucking die for Wendy. I put it out of the purview of like, do I agree with how what she's saying and how she's communicating? Like, no, I don't. But like, is the vibe super fascinating? Like, I have no. Oh, I'm all. You know what I'm saying? like, I'm all no for critique it. and only critique. Yeah, but she yeah, tells yeah. Karen she wants to be the black uh, Martha Stewart, which I was like, are, are you wanting to go to prison? Is that what's going on? And like, <laughs> but it is one of those like, I kind of was not aghast, but my mouth was open in the sense of like, she's like, you know, towels, sheets, uh, bedding. Like, and yeah. I was just like, what? I, think, I, I, I mean, think she's, she's thinking less about the traitor scandal of Martha oh, Stewart oh. and more. Okay, of, I thought she was talking yeah, about insider yeah, trading. Like, I think okay. so. Maybe that's season three, but I think, I think with Wendy, she's, I, I, she's interested in exploring this new area. I I was shocked. She only spent a paragraph for someone with a PhD writing her business plan and has already invested a lot of (laughs) money, but, but but by the way, with you guys, what she's talking about, if you haven't watched on the episode, she, uh, Karen Huger, because she's Karen Huger is a very successful entrepreneur, businesswoman, probably the most successful woman in the United States in terms of business. And uh, yeah, I'll go there. I'll say it. And uh, she said, do you have a business plan? And she said, yeah, I have a, uh, I think I have like a paragraph written. And I related to that so hard. I was like, maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm a businesswoman. Like I usually half-ass things like that. And I was really excited for somebody that successful to not be prepared. Is that weird? No, it's not. I, I, I was genuinely surprised. I'm honestly, I want to know, I want Eddie to have a confessional. Like I want to know what Eddie thinks about the candles and the home decor line and all of that. Like I, I want to know truly what he's thinking. And 
it, I do find it fascinating that someone who is so incredibly successful in her career, which she obviously is, has already put in money without thinking of like, who's your audience? Like the the questions Karen was yeah. asking were basic I think, questions, basic and foundational. They were good questions, but they were not anything. It wasn't like the second layer of this of like why aren't my sales better or how can I market this it's like why are we doing this well I mean let me okay let me downshift let me ask you those questions with your podcast uh what who is your audience have you thought about that um people who love a cackle and sometimes a little (laughs) bit of a scream people who love leaving are you talking about Lisa are you talking about Lisa are you talking about Lisa Rinna you said cackle a lip kit. Oh my. Wow, she's really passing those lip kits. But she's, I can't, she's blocked me, so I can't, I don't think I'm officially going to get a lip kit. But I'm Wait, not when above. when did she block you? I think it was around Christmas time when I did one of those memes of like front of the tree, back of the tree that was going around. And I put front of the tree was Yolanda and the Hadids. And then I put back of the tree was <laughs> R- L- Lisa and, and uh, Amelia Bedelia and not Amelia, the other one, you know? And I think that was probably what did it, you know? I, but it was all for the, you see a joke, you take it. But also, I do think Lisa Rinna needs to calm it down. Like, I mean, bring it down, like, all the all the way down. Like, give me 10%. I don't think of her as someone who blocks, like, Bravo create. That's wild to me. Yeah, oh my it's God. crazy. It's, it's very sad. It's very sad. And wow. I, but, I, but also, I got to tell you, I don't think I would support her lip kits. I'm not, um, I, I... <laughs> No, but I, you know, I mean, who do you, do you watch these shows with the kind of like, I now, I feel like that's like one of the downgrades of being a man in this thing of like, I watch it like a man with sports where I'm like, F you, Lisa, F you. And I can't get past it. Like I'm like now Lisa's my enemy, even though she's not a, probably that aware of who I am. But every time she speaks, I'm like, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you even speak right now? Do you do that? Do you do that with anybody or you're probably more adjusted? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's the question is always like, who is your housewife's trigger, which I, I like to ask people on AG, um, you know, who is your spiritual housewife, not the housewife that you necessarily like, not your fave, but who do you see yourself most exemplified in or, and for better or worse of like, this person is acting out in ways that I wish I did or that I've been known to do. And, uh, or, you know, the best, most positive. And when it comes to triggers, I mean, I guess obvious to me, but like Danielle Staub can do no right in my eyes. So yeah, like, I mean, but that's an that easy one. I think so, we, I, I, don't I think know. we're a hundred percent in agreement about Danielle Staub. Like a, I don't think anybody's like, a, I mean, maybe there, I'm sure there's Danielle Staub stands, but nobody's there going are. to fault you for disliking Danielle. Like, dis, yeah, you know? I mean, and I, I feel like Kelly is an obvious take. Um, Maybe not even maybe, but Cam Westcott is tough is tough for me. And I'm I hearing actually, she, I'm hearing she's coming back to Dallas. I'm hearing the holdovers a, yeah, I think are she's Tiffany, like Deandra and Cameron Westcott. That's what I'm hearing. The three. Uh, and then I'm hearing that they cut the rest of them. Yeah, I don't, I genuinely don't know. And I, I actually have said, 
I could even potentially make that argument now that there are aspects of Cam that I think make her a fantastic housewife and she was great casting, even though I disagreed with stuff. But she just really the online trolling and and the inability for the or disinterest for the network or production to actually tell her to like truly shut the fuck up like that was really (laughs) tough to watch and it's hard because you can like someone being on housewives without being like they're a fave or even i like them as a person like in the most general and also specific of ways and the cam stuff is really complicated because there are so many women who do who exhibit toxic behavior. Um, a lot of them get in trouble on social when they don't have like an editing suite, either hiding or sharing this in a way where it's like enough of a narrative where other people are fucking up. So it doesn't feel that bad. Um, uh, or maybe it we get to see more of the real them. And the cam stuff was it's tough for well, me to like see her in pretty dress and what she considers pretty dresses on social right now. I the, I the, the cam stuff crazy. was hard. Well, because we followed it from the very beginning. I think it's really like because from this season, from first episode on, she was already like trying to like do like clapbacks to Tiffany and all that stuff. And the thing is, you're not going to beat Tiffany in terms of humor, in terms of being able to write a coherent sentence. You're not going to be able to do that. And the fact that she kept trying just made it really weird. And then you're like, oh, you really have something against Tiffany. And it just never read well. And like, and, and Carrie to, um, uh, tequila, I'm tequila Carrie. Uh, that was a little thing she did as well. And you're like, then it becomes like something where you're just trying to take down somebody and you're not really even doing it well. And then when you got into uh, Shart, the brother, the sharded guy, he was like trying to like affect her job. And I'm like, guys, guys, I just, hey, this is just, let's like, everybody has to like chill the F out. Like, I don't want anybody's jobs affected by this. You're doxing castmates, you know? Yeah, the difficulty is like with the with with her brother-in-law, he is not on the show and has never been on the show and yet he is wielding whatever possible influence he can to say to imply or to explicitly say that, you know, Tiffany was potentially operating on patients drunk and like tagging the hospital. It's really gross. Cam's husband has been very involved in all of this too and it is incredibly apparent that some combination of the two of them are who coached cam for the reunion where she was yeah a little- woman of color <laughs> that the woman of color was racist against white people like it's just it it gets it's so it's not it's it's such well, a, it, a mess and a clusterfuck that it's like I don't even know what to do with this anymore. You know, but it is interesting. I mean, like if we've grown as an audience with Bravo over this past decade plus, it is interesting how intense it has gotten. Just as as America has gotten more intense, I feel the show has, of course, exhibited that because it's supposed to hold a mirror up in a way. But I'm like, where do we go from here? Like, we're supposed to get the Real Housewives, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City trailer season two mm. this this week, and I'm like. I, I tweeted this earlier, but I was like, are we going to see a shootout in the trailer? Like, I mean, you just don't know what's coming. And with the Erica Jane, Tom Girardi stuff, I was like, you know, I, I just never thought when I started watching this 15 years ago in Real Housewives of Orange County season one that we would get to the point where it's like, oh, 
Jen's definitely going to go to prison. Like, there's just no, there's no getting out of that at that point. Like, we've got to accept she will be going to jail. Erica Jane, we, it's beginning to be like murder mystery, like where I'm like, do we? Hey, Andy, do we solve the the crime by the end of this season of Beverly Hills? Like, like, do does anybody get caught? Like, because you just every week's like a mystery, or that's like the, the underlying theme of some of these shows, and it's so intense. Yeah, I feel like it became. I think that's a really good point. And I feel like it, what we started with and understandably so was like the women react, watching the women react or watching what happens when they don't react to what's in the national news to then these women themselves getting national attention. And then this latest wave is like, what happens when there's a crime so big, it becomes national attention and that person is also on reality TV. And I think everyone is trying to figure out how that works because Housewives wasn't necessarily, this is something I said on AG recently, but like Housewives wasn't built, the foundation of Housewives didn't take into consideration future crime. So it's a difficult navigation. Somebody said, does Bravo not, um, does Bravo not do enough research on these people before they hire them? I'm like, how, like, I mean, how much should they be doing forensic accounting before that? I mean, like, it's like, there shouldn't be a whole FBI department to just like clear if you can go on a show. And the crimes now are getting so severe that there was a, an article released that uh, Dorit and PK owed $1.2 million in back taxes. And I didn't even bat an eye. I was like, ah, oh, small. That's <laughs> chump. One? I was Only like, that's one? chump change. Like, that's yeah. easy. We, we can fix that. That's not a big deal. Like, I, that's like actually probably a huge crime to somebody. And I'm like, oh, that's, I'm totally desensitized to what actually is a crime now, you know? Yeah, I feel like the new, this new generation, this new iPod Nano is like, <laughs> who were the victims you know like it's not if you do a crime you do you like you join an illustrious group of of housewives or housewives spouses but you know who are the victims of what has allegedly been perpetrated and, and that's so, why the housewives and the hustlers was so yeah. damning is mm-hmm. that because we find if that hadn't have aired we would be taking this season so much differently than how we're taking it as bravo fans don't you think I don't know that I do. I felt like The Housewife and The Hustler was incredibly important, especially hearing from victims of Tarm Girardi. Um, Did you say Tarm? Who's Tarm? I, I don't know. Who's Tarm Girardi? What do you know, Sarah? Do you, know. Who is this Tarm Girardi that you speak of? <laughs> he told me not to tell you. There's a Swiss bank So you're saying it's not name. Tom. It's Tarm it's, Girardi. That's how you get away with it. Okay. That's how she was. So when Erica was signing those documents, I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, the doc was obviously incredibly important, but. I don't know that it was shocking to me having read like the LA Times stuff well, and everything else. So, but, you, I think but also, lot, Sarah, you live and breathe. Yeah, that's you live and breathe why. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is that, like, even I had read the LA Times, but to see that man's yeah, physical burns exactly, on his body, totally agree. Then I went into that week's episode of Beverly Hills and I was like livid. I was, mm. I was infuriated because, I mean, do you have an opinion? I know you talk about this on Andy's Girls, but do you have an opinion on this? Of like, why is she not? Why is Erica Jane right now? Why is her Twitter presence so like what 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 would it give her to just say, I am so saddened to learn what I'm learning and my heart goes out to the victims? What is stopping her from just a statement? I mean, that's the only thing that I just don't. I'm so confused. Like you can't keep doing the same Erica Jane of like. I'm a sex pot. I'm trying to get money, darling. You know, like you can't keep doing that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I um, I mean, I think there has been an argument made by people on Team Erica, which a wild Lisa Rinna. Was I that, mean, probably. Yeah. Um, she slid into my DMs. Perhaps she's about Lisa Rinna did. No, she didn't. Um, oh, Eric, Erica Jane did. No, I was joking. Oh, I damn. Really was, was it, tar- wait, Tarm Girardi? Did he <laughs> slide Tarm. it? Tar- Tarm slid it to my DMs. And he was like, <laughs> I, I have a Tarm. house for sale. <laughs> you said, can give me a dollar and it's yours. You're blonde. You're bl- I mean, you're his type. I'll do. I, I I'm, sent, a, I'm, I, a, I'm a human person. Apparently, <laughs> I'm his type. <laughs> I sent I sent Tarm Girardi nudes yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't say they were mine, but I did send some. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, when it comes to the Erica stuff, there has been an, a, a, a hypothesis by people that if she expresses empathy, it crosses over into an apology and it can put her at risk legally, which I don't understand, but I'm also not an attorney and apparently neither is Tom. So I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that works. I do know that she is being awfully aggressive online and is performing the art of relishing or, or uh, well, she's trying, trying to, to strike feed, she, back. She's feeding the weird. trolls and think it's another person that thinks they can win in social media. And I think, and no offense to to people of a certain age, but I think she thinks she's being cool. And in a way she's being what my nephew would call cringy and going like, you, you think you're winning here, but in reality it's just kind of coming off sad and pathetic instead of like, well, I, I said this last week is that the army hammer stuff, like just horrifying mm. stuff happened in January. All of those DMS were released, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And guess what? Army shut the fuck up. And guess what? A lot of people have forgotten what army has done. Like a lot of people kind of like, Oh, yeah. Did something happen in January with that dude? Like, no word has been mentioned. Why does Erica just, like, just stay on radio silence? Radio well, silence I mean, and I, let us spin our wheels until we exhaust ourselves. I mean, Army has the benefit of being seen as a quote-unquote serious actor. So he could make the argument that regardless of whatever uh, allegedly took place, all of which I believe, that, you know, he's a serious actor. He can have the ability to not talk about his um, personal life and potentially still have a professional one even though he's obviously lost I think like everything on his schedule um but he paid enough high-powered PR teams who truly know what they're doing enough to try to sway and drive a certain kind of narrative that would protect them as much as he possibly could Erica has found great success from like the yes queen of it all I mean if you look at the replies to some of her tweets it's not all people being like what the fuck are you doing there are an awful lot of people saying like yes you go like this is the vibe we want to see and it's just (laughs) you go criminal you go well (laughs) i mean it's it's the idea that yeah she has the right to fight back and use her voice as as much as she wants to regardless of whether or not she's listening to her surely very high-priced legal teams but I, i don't think it is um shocking or absurd for people to ask very basic questions and she seems to delight or or communicate repeatedly how ridiculous and below um you know the the work of being an attorney if an attorney is mentioning her in some story where they're describing the crimes that took place where she's like don't you have better stuff to do and 
And you know what? Talking don't about millions of better laws to lawyer. <laughs> like she's always like, don't you don't you need to law somebody bigger? Like it's always just weird. Yeah, and it's you know to to pretend that this is just in a, a a case like no other is unbelievably disrespectful to the people who lost any sense of hope coming out of. Lost family members. Yeah, who's absurdly sad and upsetting circumstances where the very person who was uh, supposed to advocate for them stole from them. And Erica is wearing the spoils of what is a lot of that showing them off. Like she did that Daily Mail thing where it's like, you know, obviously she said somebody tipped the Daily Mail off and she has a pose, you guys, with her $187,000 ring where she's putting it up on her face. Nobody poses like this. So she's highlighting the damn ring. And I'm like, why would you why would you highlight what you actually have? I I, I just want to know what the strategy is, because uh, yesterday we saw her. you know, paparazzi are camped outside of her door. <laughs> um, and we saw her picking up a pizza box and she had a hammer and um, a very, and like, then she was like reaching 10 feet for the pizza box instead of moving closer. So in my head, I was like, oh, well, obviously she knows they're there. This is part of something, but like, why the hammer? Why the, like, I, I think I've read too many Britney Spears Instagram posts where I'm so <laughs> into the, I'm like, what does this say? It's like the Da Vinci code with Erica Jane. Yeah. What does she mean? What is she doing? I think I think she is trying to uh, survive this as best she can and continue to wear some sort of costume that is what brought her so much of this success and fame. Like the idea of Erica Jane being a woman who, you know, zero fucks and it's yeah. expensive to be me and everything and expensive else. Expensive to be me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like what happens when? Not only does it all fall apart, but there are real questions about um, uh, who paid for and what paid for um, the thing that has brought her and given her so much on BH. And it's like, I don't know how you handle this. I do continue to find it shocking that she's sharing stuff on the show that you know, regardless of how you feel about her, I think a person can empathize with the position that she was in, the marriage that she was in, the choices that she decided to make and what happened as a result, just specifically in like her spouse and what appears to be a huge lack of respect or really even interest that he had in in who she was aside from like the blonde. And you, I have the ability, for example, to be able to empathize with her because I think I, I, that's actually a more interesting kind of conversation to me. Like you asked before, who's the AG audience? And it's really the AG audience and the, the conversations that we have in the show themselves. And you know this because you've been on to great acclaim several times. Guys, check but, out my episodes on AG. Some of the best episodes yeah. she's ever done in her life. I mean, it's really, I'm not, really... not going to disagree with you. Um, I had a lot of fun. But, um, you know, it's really about having these conversations where we look at housewives through the lens of psychology, where it's like, why are these women behaving in the way that they are? Why are they communicating in the manner that they are? And what have, how do our experiences as human people shape the ways that we watch and react to all things housewives and uh, to a greater extent, you know, bravo at all. And with the Erica of it all, to me, 
I am much more interested in dancing in the gray. And the tension of the Erica dynamic is such that I think a lot of us, yourself included, are trying to really center the Erica and Tom around the actual victims when it comes to like the financial implications and emotional implications of what happened. And yet Erica is on a show where for good reason, her story is going to be centered. Her experience is going to be centered, her reaction, which is why it's so important to like understand and discuss the ways that her co-stars, AKA friends have reacted (laughs) and like watching as this all unfolds. That's interesting to me. And it's also the nature of, listen, we're not ever going to know. The the big question for people, I feel like everybody's in agreement in our community about the fact that, you know, Tom done wrong. The question everybody asks, myself included, is like, did Erica know? And I think the better question to ask is how does Erica react to the fact that regardless of whether or not she knew she's benefited from this and yeah. where are the human faces with that? And and we may never get to that point, but holy shit, do I love talking about it. See, that's what, but see, this is, uh, I talk about this all the time, Sarah, if heaven exists, that's why I want there to be a heaven machine where you get to know a couple things. Mm. Like if I go like, hey, what, what, God, what really went down with Erica Jane? And you know all the shit. Like the heaven machine, it's it's one of the key things in my vision of heaven is that you get to know Jean Benet. You get to know, and I don't know if it's like you get three or four options. I don't know, but you can do your personal life. Like did that guy or girl ever have a crush on me? Mm. Like you get to know like those things. And I, I mean, it's getting to be like, I might want to use one of mine for Erica Jane just to figure it out, you know? I love that the three things that you thought of instinctively were Jean Benet, which we're going to put aside, (laughs) whether or not someone you like swiped right on did so intentionally or they accidentally moved their foot. Oh, I'm talking junior high. I'm not even talking now. I'm talking junior. I'm talking junior high. Did Rachel Beaker ever even entertain the thought? You know, we have a specific. Do you stay in touch with Rachel? Did you ever date her? No, no, no. It was so sad. This is actually so sad. Uh, She was in love with Joey McIntyre from New Kids on the Block, which was one of the first boy bands. So I grew my, you can see these photos I've posted before where I grew my hair into this reverse triangle and it was really tight curls. And I wanted to look, so I tried to make myself look like Joey McIntyre. And she never, like, so I didn't look enough like him for her. And we were just friends. And that's like, and I, and I, she, you know, she made it clear that nothing was happening there. But I looked enough like Joey McIntyre for the jocks at my school to throw me into lockers oh, and be like, no. "Fucking new kid, <laughs> fucking new kid," and like, so it was completely traumatic for me. Uh, but then I moved from Kansas to Arizona, and she got she got pregnant when she was like sixteen. Oh, yeah. I had a yeah. cousin who got pregnant real young. Oh, my mom got pregnant a couple times with me and my sister. Oh, I thought we were just talking about people we knew that got pregnant. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was like, spilled the tea. No, no, but like the whole, you know, it's so funny. I grew up, this is why I always tell people like, why am I into all of this stuff that like primarily uh, a lot of girls are into? And I grew up on a street of all girls and my dad was a traveling salesman. He was just there on the weekends. Mm. So I hung out nonstop with all the girls on my block. 
three of those girls got pregnant the year after I left. Three of those girls got pregnant at like wow. 16 or 17. Do you think yeah. it was because they were so besotted with you that they were like, what now am I going to do with my Oh, time? I 100% know they were not. Yeah. None of them were besotted. Like, oh, no, oh. no, no besotted. There was no, I would have killed for a little besotted. But I learned to hold any kind of likes for people deep within because the two oh, times no. I told girls that I liked them, it was like horrifying. It was like, they were like, no, that's never going to happen. And then like the, the friendship changed. But so you, I, I mean, what, what's the, what's the night, what's the nightmare dynamic that you see playing out as a grown adult? If, and I mean, allegedly I am, you know, like, I don't even know anymore. I think I'm like 12 and three quarters. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't even realize how old I am anymore. Like I really think of myself as like a 17 year old boy that likes housewives. I mean, I say on Andy's girl's, frequently that I'm spiritually mid-20s plus and that is where we will keep that dynamic <laughs> and I am um, uh but what is what's the what's the literal fear as an adult what is the difference you know between it's the fear just, as a it's, child and the literal translation of that fear as an adult unfortunately there's not that it's not it's not changed a lot I I have this fear that if I tell somebody I like them or that 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 they will um just not reciprocate but also like I I grew to know that I was like, okay, I'm never going to tell this person I like them, but at least I will have the friendship. I was always the guy that was like, I can just deal with friendship. That's cool. Mm. Like, I'm I'm happy with just the friendship. But then I think there was something in my mind uh, that just kind of like that if I liked you, that was a that was bad. You know, like that was like I wasn't a good. This is too deep now. This is something I talk no, about with going. my therapist. This is, this is very <laughs> yeah. AG. This is very, this is very AG. Hey, if you want, I'll cut this for your pod. You, you can just use this for your pod. <laughs> Patreon. Um, yep. No, but I, I really got this th sense that like I uh, deathly afraid of ever telling anybody I like them because I thought that would ruin any kind of like they, they wouldn't even want to talk to me anymore. It's it's so weird. And when I say it out loud, it's so silly, but it's a very it has been a very real fear at times. But that's also why I will never do a dating app in my life. I've never done a dating app mm. because I hear so many horror stories from female friends that will be like, um, they they got ghosted or they got or or even girls that it'll go in and go oh I saw him and he didn't look like anything like his pictures and he and I like I don't need that like I would go into that already having lost I will go into that experience so negative where I'm like it's like the elephant man walking into a date you know like I I'm so bad it's good that's my elephant man loved it um couple couple pieces of pushback. One, the nice thing about being on the apps is sometimes they're a little bit, I mean, they are mostly built, overwhelmingly built upon an instinct that is superficial, but it is also a guttural instinct of like, do I, am I attracted to this person, how they look, how they talk about themselves? Do I think there's potential to feel that way? You get that out of the way. So the hope is that when you actually meet up with this person in real life, you have something in common, which is that you are both expressing an interest in each other, which might help with a little bit of like, and I don't mean this in a literal sense, but like uh, from a language perspective, but a little bit of the anxiety of like, is this person going to like me? You already know that they like you or have an interest in feeling that way because you are on a date with them. And also it's like, you know, there was those those matchmaking 20 second, 30 second minute long mega date things. We've seen them on New York where it's like you talk to somebody for a minute and then you move on. That's oh, not for me. But the, no. idea, the idea of like 
if a person and I have anxiety about it, I do not like it. But I like how we have you been dating people. since since everything is starting to not get back to normal. Uh, but have you have you fired back the apps yet? Have it? Have we, you got your on. hair did since the last time when we talked <laughs> to you? You got you. your hair looks great. Like Thank so, you. you <laughs> did you go? Well, yeah. I'm so right. have you fired up the apps Can't yet? Lie. Have you broken? <laughs> <laughs> have you have you broken the dating seal? Because wait, Sarah, this is what I'm. I've seen so many girls on Instagram where they'll they'll they post this shit where they'll be like, um, "Well, I don't want to, but I just want to rip the bandaid off." I'll, I guess I'm just gonna go on a date with this guy, even though I don't want to. Like people will flat out say that where you feel like you're some like I would be the guy that's like, "Well, I gotta get a warm up in before I get to the real stuff," you know? I mean, I'm back on Hinge. I haven't done. Tinder is Hinge the one where the girls decide. I no, know there's I one where the girls decide. That. I will not. I tried Bumble for 20 minutes and I was That's like, Bumble, "This is okay. absolutely not for me." And God bless the people who it's for. But like, from an anxiety perspective, I don't want to feel like if I I don't want to be the one to make that choice, and I don't want to feel like I'm being potentially rejected by people after well, a, doing a, that. a couple a couple things. Let me let me push back in a couple. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Um, but like Hinge, I'm talking to people, and and I also think that's a part of like coming back into the world. Is is you know it's so hard for people who are podcasters during COVID who are used to recording with each other. And Sarah, it's been the hardest. Of- it's been the hardest right? for us as podcasters. <laughs> or oh, you recording with people in person now? Uh, I've recorded with Oof. a couple people. Uh, all of us, obviously, vaccinistas um, in my apartment. I've done two or three episodes, and I've heard from people who are like, "Listen, I love you know, love AG, love the episodes. Just have to say, like this episode and this one, it just felt like so much a different vibe." And my response is, "Yeah, those were in per those were in person. If we're it's naked, possible yeah. to do, I mean, <laughs> if it's possible to do so safely, let's do it." And I feel like dating is another part of that. You know, we lost so much time. That there is respect that needs to be made of everybody has a different way of processing what we went through. But I do think there's something nice in like finding out about other people. I had no interest in this during COVID. When people were doing Zoom dates, I was like, truly, absolutely not. But the idea of like having drinks with somebody who could be nice and um, <laughs> but I love reaction. that. I, the, there's the romance of it all is um, the romance of the idealism. I still kind of retain when it comes to that the that whole aspect. You know, well, it's I think important. We love pop culture so much, and we love. Uh, but I was talking about I think last week or the week before was that you know pop culture has really shaped my idea of romance, whether it be mm. like Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got oh, Mail, any of God. these like really kind of classic things. Mm-hmm. But the reality of that, I mean, I've been in a marriage, and like you know, unfortunately, those things, uh, you know, sometimes they don't play out exactly how movies and movies sometimes give you a false sense of what you would hope romance would be, but sometimes isn't. Do you do you think that we sometimes uh, have altered our uh, what romantic is because of all of these things that we consume? Well, I think it was Rob Reiner or Meg Ryan or both of them or a bunch of people from One Harry Met Sally who said, you know, like, we don't think they would still be married. <laughs> we did well, or even today. like, or like, there's so... no way, fuck, even Edward and Bella from Twilight. There's no fucking way. You know, Bella got turned as a vampire and then she was like, let me see what's around. Like, you know, and Robert was like, I chose you. What is going like, you know, like, you're right. They might not be together. It's hard. 
I mean, I don't I don't have an answer for it. I do. I did just recently rewatch Sleepless in Seattle and I've seen you've got mail so many times that it's like sometimes I need to put it to sleep a little bit. But because it feels like a very romantic idea of New York where I live, I'm like, yeah, let's see that New York City and not the guy You're always who's just hanging at the t- himself on Second <laughs> Avenue. You know, like, let's Wait, see like this. Oh, you, bump, you bumped into Ramona again? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from third. performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Guys, today's sponsor, as I said earlier, is HelloFresh again. HelloFresh is is amazing. You know, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and you count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Now, folks, they sent me this and I actually have video. I took video, so I didn't want to ever be called a liar, of me cooking Yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, I can cook now because of HelloFresh. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips with less prep, less effort, and minimal cleanup. That actually, I make everything a mess. And I got to tell you, this was not a mess as usually I make things. So yeah, I guess that is minimal. Uh, So you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. HelloFresh's calorie smart options make it easier to enjoy tasty, lower calorie meals this summer without scouring the grocery store for ingredients and the web for easy recipes. It actually really is cool, guys. They put all of like the ingredients in these little pouches. So if you need dill, they have like a little package of dill instead of 
of having to go buy a whole bottle of dill. I keep saying dill, and I don't know why I keep using it as an example. No, you can choose from over 50 menu and market items to, to go each week, from vegetarian meals to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options all available. So there's something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. So this was really cool. I got my box of HelloFresh, uh, and they sent me three meals, and I I, I made the, the chili one because I uh, it was the easiest, but then the other ones were just as easy. And it was really, uh, I, I mean, it was really filling. I, I kind of always get scared I'm not going to have enough food. I don't know why, but it, I'm that way. And this actually was insanely filling. And then I was able to take a bunch of pictures and I was like, oh, I can post these on social media and make myself look cool, you know, so you can do that as well. But if you guys want to try this, go to HelloFresh.com slash SoBad14 and use the code, the promo code SoBad14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com slash SoBad14 and use code SoBad14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. I mean, come on, do that for me. I, you also get something out of it too. It's free food. Who doesn't like free food? I love food. Okay, back to the show. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, but I would think that your perspective, I mean, so much of how you feel about dating now is surely informed, not even necessarily about the stuff that happened in the younger years, but how the stuff that happened in the younger years influenced the ways that you responded to things in your marriage and now in a new chapter. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I would think that so much of any concern or apprehension that you feel about like the intimacy kind of dating, like the the ability to be like, you may not like me, but I am going to ask anyway. You know, like that it, it requires um Wait, should I wait? Should is that what is that a big uh, first good first line? You may not like me, but I'm going to ask anyways. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> you might find this extremely uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask anyways. Did you ever do the thing um, in junior high or you know college, whenever oh, this where or that? you'd like check check yes or no? Or oh maybe? fuck! I did that last week. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone ever checked no? Oh no, I never did. I mean. I never did that. I was just, I just saw, but that's another thing I see from movies. Shit like that puts the, anybody having to choose me puts the fear of God in me. Like really, like I would rather, it's like the same thing with podcasting is that I never want to be the top. I just want to be invited to the party. Okay, like, I just want to be invited to the party. I want can I to. Ask you, can I ask yeah. you just a gut question? And it's like you can truly go. To I'm a vir- I'm myself. a virgin. Yeah, I am a virgin. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not the question. Have you ever thought about like, am I choosing myself? Which I know is like very heady, yeah. but it's no, truly no, no, the, no. The gut instinct of course. question of course. that I have. I have to work. Uh, God, this is getting way too. Deep. I have to this work is every very, day. This is prime I have to course, work every day uh, to try to be the kind of person that I respect and admire. And that is, um, that is something that I, so I can truly, uh, like and love myself, you know, and that's not that there's no joke there. And that's why the podcast has been such a great help because mm-hmm. I, I get to have so many amazing conversations with people. Um, you know, like I, I sometimes would live in my head and it's so nice to be able to get that out as opposed to just one hour of therapy a week. Or, you know, when you're with your good friends, sometimes you don't, 
talk deeply. And, and especially this past year of the pandemic, you didn't get to have a lot of social interaction. So it was very, I mean, this was such a lifeline in so many ways, but if I came from a place of really not liking myself, I have to work doubly hard now, whether that be to make sure you go out and hike today, make sure you, cause you know, you're going to feel good about yourself afterwards. Make sure you try to read something because you know, you, you, you got to try to read and you love the written word. Make sure you watch something that is not reality show because yes. you got to feed that. Make sure, mm-hmm. you know, so there's this list of things, but what's weird. I don't know if you find this as, as you get older. I know you're 25, but you, you. you know, is that it takes more and more to get out of the door each day. Like I have this mm-hmm. checklist of what I have to do every day from taking vitamins to brushing teeth to flossing to push-ups to sit-ups and you're just like man it takes like two hours to even get ready for something because there's so many things I have to do to try to improve myself or or be a person that I'm proud of and sometimes you just want to lay on the couch and just binge watch some shitty tv you know yeah I also don't think that you need to be constantly looking to improve Proving yourself. I think it's just like the acceptance of like, this is who I am at my core, regardless of the decision that I make later this afternoon. But and sometimes that's it, Sarah. That. I don't see that you're right. You're right. But I don't accept myself. You know, like that is something that I have to brush up against is that there is an element of myself where I'm I do fight against it, where I'm like, no, this is not who you should be at this age or who you should be. Like my, I talked about this yesterday, the whole thing about, you know, where you think you see your life going three years ago, that completely changed. Mm-hmm. So like, I, that you, you would never, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's when the aliens came okay. and, uh, <laughs> you know, when the pro the probing started, no, but it, you know, you have, and I was already an actor, so my way of life was already kind of weird. Really but I still chaotic. had a regular, I still had a full time job, which I had lost over the pandemic. I'd lost mm-hmm. so many things have changed, but I watched all of these reality shows from the jump. I watched them before I had anybody to talk. I didn't know there was this whole subculture of people mm-hmm. out there. So that has changed, of course, but I never would have predicted I would be. I mean, I remember you before I even knew you going, oh, I wonder if I I could talk to her one day. I wonder if I could talk. And those were all impossibilities in my mind when I started. So like there are, there's stuff I'm so proud of, but still it's nowhere near where I thought I would be, or even that this would be a factor in my life of talking about these shows that we really love. It's interesting to me because so much of what you do on your pod and on social and guesting on pods like Andy's Girls is about translating you know, your own experience through the lens of of watching these shows and how you're reacting to them and conversations with other people and then translating those conversations to your own community that you've created and cultivated. And it feels like what you're talking about a little bit is like, how do you translate? How do I say this? Like, how do you translate? How do you apply that same kind of translation, that same kind of work which does also involve acceptance and respect for yourself and talent and drive. Like, how do you translate that into other areas? Because you're talking about the enormity of the work that you're doing on yourself. But like, look at all of this other stuff that you're able to do and do well in the meantime. Like, just it's really hard for content creators, too, because it feels like... um the review most people hear is the like go fuck yourself and here's why (laughs) and it's the people that love the pod will slide into your dms but they won't necessarily leave a review but the people who want you to feel a certain way always will oh oh, i said that last week somebody was just like 
you sound ignorant. You sound and I'm like, I, I had a, uh, you know, I had a like a mini breakdown that I left in the not like crying or like that, but I, mm. I was angry. I was like, you of don't course. know how hard, like you don't know when I'm up till three in the morning. And I know it's like I do this by my own choosing. Nobody has a gun up to my head, but it is, you know, how personal you take all of this oh my stuff, God. Well, right? It's, a lot of them are meant to be personal. It's meant to make you feel a certain way, and because people have listened to you for many hours, they might know exactly what buttons to press and and yet like getting back to the 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 creation of it all when it talk when you talk about like how to maintain or create a new kind of you like look at this all of this other work that you've done like regardless of you know how am I going to feel in three hours or what am I going to do in six like look at the thing the machine that you've been able to create that still goes on regardless of how you feel about yourself because you're you're seemingly proving to yourself the goodness that you are in another way trying to deny and it's the blessing and sometimes the curse of being a content creator because you are forced to be vulnerable especially in a form like audio where it's stripping away the idea of what does this person look like or how are they reacting how are they gesticulating or anything else it it is a forced intimacy it's the very nature of sound and if you just sort of zhuzh a little bit of like what you're talking about these other areas where there's so much genuine feel the same way apprehension concern whatever you want that language to be if you just like think to yourself like look at the kind of acceptance that I have just as a part of my podcasting craft like you trust yourself enough to do solo episodes to like talk to people who you may or may not have ever interacted with before in your life navigate difficult conversations we've all been there as creators where there's like an episode that's gonna be a little different than the ones before (laughs) um but you've been able to navigate difficulties and putting yourself out there on a platform that I would argue is much requires much, much more vulnerability and bravery than swiping right. So it's like the dating stuff, not to in any way discount your feelings, but also to say in an optimistic way, that's not going to be the hardest thing that you do this week is like talking to somebody and seeing how they feel because you do that every day on the daily anyway. And you do it for an hour, which is much more difficult than a DM. Ryan, cut all this bullshit out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back. <laughs> a very special episode of So Bad. No, I, I really appreciate that. And I, I you know, I we, we did get deep. And I, I that uh, you are a, a great person to get deep with. And I do love that about the conversations I have with you and how you uh, interact with your guests. And I guess the life in general, I uh, I can sometimes be sillier, but that that is, in, no, I mean, you're very silly, but I'm saying I look at things through a silly lens and I think that sometimes is um, uh, armor I put up in some ways, but also just how I like to look at the yeah. world through a, a weird visage. Um, okay, so I don't break down or cry. I will ask you to explain to me in your own words what happened with Tom Girardi's accident. Tell me, explain to me what you took from this past week's monologue that I will be using to get into Yale grad school. <laughs> What explain to me what you think happened? I think something definitely happened. I tried to understand it through like literally what she was saying to us. And I had genuine questions of like, how did this literally I, I say literally way too much, but literally how did this work 
did he lose consciousness, but he was out of the car, but he had his phone in his pocket, and then he called you instead of 911, and then you were the one that found him. You didn't call 911 as well. Yeah, what do you consider a cliff? You thought he was just with another lady for 12 hours, but then he wakes up with a shoulder injury, and then he still can reach for a phone that he has with him to call you and say, I'm in the backyard? Yeah, but I do think that there was a serious accident. I do think that if he was on the decline prior, any kind of injury that has to do with head trauma or anything else when you're at that age can have a a huge negative impact um, uh, on whatever he was dealing with before. It can be like a very much a downward, uh, downward trajectory from there. I, I do believe that he was probably like, if you ever say a single word of this, I will completely fuck you up. So she... But she did on the show, though. She said, but we saw that clip, um, uh, Danielle, the Hullaback cards posted last week of of we saw her explaining to Mikey and we saw her explaining the things where he's like, the first time I saw that, the first time I saw him weak with fear in his eyes. Like she did mention it and she mentioned it where it was kind of uh, emasculating to him in a way in a couple seasons ago. So she did mention it. I would be pissed if I was this guy that was like really controlling I think that there's a difference in how it was framed in terms of him being more vulnerable to her, which is how I I kind of watch those um, clips. Uh, There's a difference between that and saying like his faculties weren't there before and then they went real bad and I did not want to tell anyone. I don't disbelieve that that happened. To me, it is really... I put it in the same category of like a doctor who is somehow unable to perform the duties of um, being a surgeon, but still continues to practice. I think it's incredibly disturbing that Tom was in a position where if this happened in some manner similar to what she described was in a position where he was choosing to uh, further harm his clients even without knowing that he was also stealing their money I wouldn't be surprised if one of the reasons he wanted to continue practicing was because he was still stealing he wanted to continue stealing their money or the cover-up or whatever else I I think it's like a I don't I think it's a shit sandwich any way you look at it and I um I, I, just, I don't I mean, know it, how to I don't know how to trans that's a translation it, well, that's, where I'm like I, it's I one don't of those things know. you go back then and 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 see these old scenes through different like you know optics and you're like ooh what did she know here and ooh can this it is another aspect of these shows that I feel like is coming into play, and especially with Salt Lake coming up, yeah. is that we really are going back and watching these things with like this different. I mean, it's like you know, like theater. You know, it's like what mm-hmm. the characters' motivations are. It's mm-hmm. what the what all of these things. Now we go like every scene with Erica. I'm just like Hawkeyeing her, going like, "What does she know? What does she know? You know?" Or like, "Ooh, what is she saying there?" Because she also knows there's a camera on her face. She knows Mm -hmm. that this will be recorded. And even just how we do with our own Instagrams, we show people what we want them to see Mm -hmm. just on that. That's just human nature. But also somebody was like, well, she showed up and she should be applauded. I'm like, she's getting paid for this. Like, don't, this isn't charity that she showed up. She has a contract. She is getting paid. Yeah. The idea that she should be applauding for doing the job, which frankly, she doesn't have much of a choice to do since it's her only it's her primary and sole stream of income. Well, she uh, couldn't. She, she couldn't tour Fenty during and, pandemic. I mean, come on. Right. I don't know how. The, I don't know how any of that is going to work out. But I do know that she has a long and difficult path in front of her. I don't know how much of a like, yay, go Erica, you showed up because I feel like 
people have a lot of uh, important questions that I think are, are worthy of asking. And again, regardless of whether or not she knew if the version of Erica, the narrative that she was presented was supported or influenced on this kind of horrifying crime, the very least that she can do is show up when you note that she's showing up to a group of people who are overwhelmingly supportive and willing to help and provide an environment that feels safe to her. And that's not even me critiquing them for doing it. It's just stating it's not like she's no, showing I up mean, to BravoCon, which I wouldn't even <laughs> recommend. Because wait, would be wait, would that be great show? if we do like a people's court at BravoCon? And we're like, shame, shame. We're like throwing tomatoes like like Game of Thrones or something. We could try one of these cases at BravoCon. I mean, I think that is what is going to happen regardless of whether or not they have a set. Like, I don't know. I, I highly it's doubt Woodstock that Woodstock 99 at BravoCon. I highly doubt that Erica will attend. If she does, it'll be for like a, a, a press line or something like that yeah. and, and skadoodle. I, I don't know how that would work i jen will be in town because her trial starts the day after BravoCon, and i also think jen won't be able to stay away just from like a spiritual compulsion perspective i am curious if she gonna have the same legal counsel then that she has now like are is someone going i don't know how like a gag order i'm curious what the hairstyle will be i mean like there's so many questions my lord i i that is to me kind of fascinating because i think jen would thrive in the muck in a way that erica likes to you know like uh close her nose you know like kind of um shake her uh, fist I, again words are fun but like no this she is would, she would kind of like she looks down on that and 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 makes fun of it and and that it is what it is it's like a larger conversation but I think that Jen's interests truly would be in being an active participant in all of this and maybe playing off of some of that energy and pivoting in, in an extraordinary way potentially um all other reunions so I I am curious to see how it plays out. Much like Bravo and crime, BravoCon wasn't built for <laughs> for active defendants or people who we're looking at with a real different kind of suspicious lens. It used to be like, is your husband stooping sh- someone? And now yeah, it's like, yeah, now- <laughs> how many marginalized people did your husband completely fuck well- over or older computer illiterate customers that you defrauded so that you could wear your version of couture. I well, mean, I didn't, yeah, I didn't sign up for life or death with these shows. I didn't yeah. so, like with like, but what's interesting is that what if we get used to it? And then like, that's the new norm of like, wait a sec. I'm, I really missed the season where uh, they were criminals. Like you, you, you're like, I, what if we, this is like the new norm and it's like, they're going to take a, like a casting lens towards people that with potential crimes in their backgrounds, you know? I mean, the interesting thing with Jen, like with the Joe and Tree of it all, Tree, I truly think similar to on honestly what Kathy was saying on this week's app, like Tree signed shit because her husband told her to. She had no idea of any of this going on, I think. I don't know that she cared or <clears throat> w- didn't uh, where the money was coming and whatever else. It was, tr- I think, in my opinion, she truly signed a signature and got fucked as a result. The Erica stuff, it's like a little gray of what, how did that happen? And 
the ways that her wealth was performative and the performance of being Erica Jane, it's all very heady. And so I, I do think it's worthy of a different kind of critique. And also it's just a very, you know, like Joe defrauded banks, Tom defrauded burn victims and the families of people who died in plane crashes. It's a different kind of story. The Jen stuff is so interesting because Jen is the first housewife to my knowledge in this kind of scale to have been accused of being the person who maybe potentially like led this thing. It's not your spouse. It's not a relative. Yeah. Like you were the top. You were, you were like the, the, you know, the Southern district of New York is like watching the A team and is like, there we go. There's like the reboot. Like this is, she's the one. This is, she was in many ways directly responsible. And these other people who've pled out or whatever else, they are building to this. Like you were, it was block stacking blocks to get to her. That is a totally different kind of story. And especially because her wealth was a big part of season one and her husband is an attorney. It's just, you know, it's a wild reversal. None of these ladies ever. And by the way, do you have a, a, a little bit more time or are no, you in a rush? Too. To? Okay. Talk, okay. No, no, no. Um, okay. Well, in my childhood, no, um, uh, <laughs> is that I don't think any of these housewives or maybe, you know, us in general as, as a human race, we don't ever admit we're wrong anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't ever admit we're at fault. So my thing is like, I sometimes just like, yo, we'll give you a lighter sentence. Just admit it. Like, just, like, I want to hear it come out of your mouth that you knew. Like, nobody ever admits anything anymore. Nobody ever takes responsibility for their actions anymore. Maybe that's a defeatist way of looking at things, but I really do feel like, man, like, all we do is lie nowadays. All we do is never fess up to what we did. I mean, I my pushback to that would be, like, crimes be criming. You're not going to, you're not, it's not as easy as, I'm going to admit to when the stakes are like this and like who, who uh, pleading. You got caught. You you got caught. You knew Mm. what you were Mm doing. I mean, she obviously knew what she was doing and she was reaping benefits from it. You got caught. You didn't think you would. You got caught. And I think Erica Jane was the same way of like knowing a little bit of what was going on. Is that like most people are criminals that they probably like most of those ladies in Beverly Hills have probably like cheated on their taxes at least. And she's like, never thought she'd get caught. I mean, she might be aware that probably some of these were ill-gotten gains, but, like, most people don't get caught. So why not take the risk and keep spending that money? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I feel like you got caught. Now you have to own up to it, but that won't happen. Yeah, the owning up to it is difficult because if a person, regardless of whether or not they committed the crime, is being told that if I own up to it, I might do well in morality court. But, you know, that other thing, the legal system associated with prisons and jails might look at me in a different kind of way. It's a different it's like a total it's, you know. it's apples and appeals you know it's like it's not it's I don't know that it's one-to-one I do think that there is an area of like accountability for behavior that's interesting when it comes to housewives because so many of the reasons that these women are perfect for housewives is absolutely counter to that idea these are not women who are known for taking accountability for their behavior or living outside of a bubble and an understanding of the greater world and that works to a lot of great success on these shows it's just what does that mean like what is the idea of being a victim of these women like what does that look like and how does that change 
the idea of like the privilege that a person has of having access to that kind of wealth and being famous, being on TV, being adored or hated, but regardless, you know, discussed like there's a lot of ties into this that one would think would make these women instinctively bad defendants, but great on reality TV. And one may help the other. You know, it's complicated. What do you think, uh, like I said earlier, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City trailer will be dropping this week. What in your dream of dreams would you hope you would see in this trailer? I mean, I think it's going to I start, you know, start at the end. I think it's going to there's going to be a fade to black and it's going to be absolutely deserved of like uh, chaos and maybe siren. I don't know, like. How well, yeah, like, like what if they like, open it with, like, they were supposedly all in a van, Jen had already, but the rest of the cast was in a van, and they got pulled over. Like, what if it starts with them opening van doors, and it's like, FBI, down, down. Like, what if it starts amazing like it that? It could start with that, and then it's, like, three weeks earlier. <laughs> like, it could go to, like, you know, like this Brooks weird... Marks in a tracksuit, like, yeah. I mean, it could. It's going to be fucking insane, and we've never gone through this before, regardless of how you feel about, like, the moral and legal implications of what it means to um, have Jen remain on the show. The reality is this is going to be a historic season like no other. We have never <laughs> experienced this before. I know. And you so only get this one time. You, you, this I is mean, like Eminem says, one shot, one opportunity. <laughs> like this is, we got, well, and do, do you ever wonder about like what is the Bravo edict laid down of like, at a certain point, they are now potentially involved in criminal, like, or at least showing these criminal activities. What is the edict sent down from Bravo to these production companies? Like, what I, I really am curious of, like, is there a set of rules that they're now having to put in place for uh, things like Erica Jane and Salt Lake, especially Salt Lake? Because, I mean, that they're trying to fit in two seasons before Jen starts, you know, her court in o- October, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, and you would know this as a performer, that there's a certain thing, uh, you know, called a morality clause of of um, throwing your compensation or career in disarray if you per- perform in a way that's outside the ethos of whatever company you're at or role or production or, or whatever it is. And with Jen, it's it's typically the opposite for housewives there's a difficult territory now because of the conversations that that we are having on these shows and off um uh relating to um race and to marginalized communities and um oppression and suppression like putting that aspect in difficulty uh to even maneuver putting that in a different kind of conversation with the uh, with the sub thievery, like the idea that someone's a piece of shit, like that's going to help you on this show. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean you'll win that. Yeah. And so with committing crimes, I don't know that Bravo would be like, please don't do that. I think what they're spinning out now is like, okay, well, how do we build a campaign for this when the purpose who's when the person who's like at the center of drama both. By maybe her cast, but also the federal government. How do we how do we stack the deck for well, a PR campaign for people to give interviews when this is on everyone's minds? You know, but think about how does it federal, not take over the show? I mean, potentially on Salt Lake City, the federal government will be a friend of character this season. 
You know what I'm saying? Like we we could get a talking head from like a junior agent. You know, like we could get like the guy assigned to the case could keep popping back in. Like we don't know how this is going to play out. And of course, that's probably never going to happen because you wouldn't be allowed to if you you work for that. But it is not without the realm of possibility that if they're having to interview all of these people, uh, that that could happen. I mean, I'm just wondering to myself, like, okay, we're in July right now. We're almost on August. And when is the premiere of SLC season two? They did. They haven't announced it, but I believe it's going to be in September. Okay. So it'll be in like maybe late. I could even see like, yeah, I don't know that it could be in late August, but yeah, possibly early September or whatever. The when is the reunion going to be filmed and how long is Jen's trial going to last because there's a difference between Erica yeah. who has not been arrested for anything uh, or formally charged N- nor do with I anything. think she will be arrested nor for do anything. I think yeah. she will be I think she's gonna find herself in like civil dealing with financial civil yeah. litigation for many 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 years to come but regardless of that she's not the one who's like you know planning to attend a trial or rather being the main defendant in a trial with Jen, it's like, this is so wild. How do you even script the season and feel like you're being timely when there's going to be breaking news I, out of the court every yeah. day? Like, how I mean, are we going to do a reunion? She's definitely going to want to attend. Where are we going to be at that point? Like, has a has a verdict been reached? Like, should we reschedule production? Well, that's why, that's Sarah, after? that's why we need, I said it, we need Bravo Action News I'm the West Coast correspondent. You're the East Coast. And then we like Bravo Action News. It was a tough day in court today with Jen Shaw. She admitted, you know, you need that a nightly news show, not watch what happens live. You need a news show that's not Bravo chat room where it's like you get people on the scene or like just me at like Los Angeles events going like, sir, what do you think of the Erica Jane stuff? And they're like, I don't know Erica Jane. So here's my question. Yeah. I live in New York City. I've got nothing but time. Event producer pre-COVID, they don't exist. Rest in yeah. peace. I will be here day after BravoCon when Jen's trial starts. Do I try to get in the room? Do I get in the Hell room where it yeah. happens? Yes. I don't I? I mean, not even. And then Are, the other thing is, do you wear a wire? Do you? <laughs> no, I mean, you got to. I mean, that's if if I, I mean, hell yes. Like that right? is going to be. A legendary for this audience and you're one of the hugest I mean you're you're giving it to the audience so I think that would be a huge disservice if you didn't to your AG audience I mean is there like a media department with the Southern District I actually do know someone who's an assistant district attorney it's worth should, finding out right I, mean, I should really... probably be like hey I haven't talked to you in like 15 years I hope all is well um just a quick question for you about Shastra. can I get an orchestra seat like how does this is there VIP okay in, t- in terms of seating what are we are we is there like a field pass is there is it like Coachella is there gonna be water can what is you, you really, know? can I pass her notes like if I have a question or I'm like blink twice if Jen, you know, Jen, going well yeah even though I <laughs> you know a host of podcasts so I don't know how helpful that will be to the listeners but like I mean I and is wait Coach can Sean you draw well I would love a court drawing from you could you are you any I good at art do a fucking okay. no I can't even okay. do a stick figure I don't See that? when I was in I remember being in preschool at the JCC in Providence Rhode Island and I bartered with a fellow child because I thought that she had a she definitely did she was talented at drawing and I was like can you do one for me because I'm not good at this and I would really appreciate it if 
I could borrow some of your skill. Um, yeah, I, I, w- I am not going. What to about do that a Bravo person. jury? A Bravo jury show where you like we we take the day's events, you can relate the event, and then we present it to a a, a bunch of Bravo meme memers and podcasters, and we try the the court for we try the case for Bravo. I mean, who's to say I'm not going to get called for jury duty? I have been ignoring some envelopes. Uh, <laughs> Do it not is, do that it from is here entirely possible. Um, it is entirely possible. I think it is just beyond exciting and scary and all the things that you want out of a show, but you'd never expect it to be out of a reality show. Uh, I wanted to end, though, with Real Housewives of New York because uh, I haven't really gotten to speak to you about this show. Uh, a lot of people have these wild... Uh, it's really interesting to to listen to the fan base of just like, it's done, cancel it, oh, it's over. You know, like very passionate... And I just, I, I'm like, for shame, Bravo audience. Like, you, this show's not going anywhere. This show can be fixed so easily. You know what? I mean, what are your thoughts so far about the season? Yeah, I think it's Prestige Housewives. It is a, a Prestige Housewives franchise. It is um, historically among the greatest of all time with the, the some of the greatest seasons of all time. Without would, a doubt. I would argue that season three of New York is the single best of any of any franchise season um, so far. And um, and I would say that, uh, you know, this cast is truly not working out for anyone, most importantly us. And that's OK. But by the way, like, you know, shit doesn't work. So you've probably been in bad plays where the cast didn't gel. You know, like sometimes cast don't gel. Um, yeah, I'm annoyed by it, to be honest. I understand frustration with it because I feel like the first part before we, like, you know, shift to acceptance is saying what the fuck. And so the most concerning thing to me is how deeply, um, how I have absolutely no curiosity about um, so many of the women that remain in New York. Like, <laughs> if I'm hosting a podcast where <laughs> there is almost nothing to say about New York lately – because we're the idea that at this point so many of the women full-time on New York have nothing going on except skating by on the fact that they are very famous and very successful because they're New York OGs I mean I'm not taking away from the respect that we should have for like Luann and Ramona but there is actually nothing that they are giving me that I couldn't get better by watching older seasons and isn't that an indicator if we are rarely if ever breaking the fourth wall which I think is smart but not acknowledging the fact that they have literally nothing else going on but being argumentative and odd on screen it, it I, li- is I like what you said about the worst season that they've ever I, had I like what you said about being able to get this from an earlier season I was thinking about this last night in terms of like um, the Fast and Furious movie franchise oh, you know okay. where you're like okay they just released their ninth movie and you're oh, like God. Okay, they're still in the cars. Yeah, they're doing the car thing. And, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, they're up in there. You know, like you're saying, like I-, I was pretty, I was pretty good with the fourth one. Like I was like, we can call it at the fourth one. But you're seeing the people with the same bag of tricks, and then you throw somebody like Ebony in there who says she has she has life's work. She has important work that is her life's work from her own words. 
Luann and Ramona don't have life's work, you know? Like, you can't throw somebody in there that is actively, like, actually having a very big life, like, presently, and then throw them into people that are just used to being reality stars, and that's why their asses have been kissed. I think you can. I just think it's maybe not these specific women because they don't have anything else going on. And there's the idea of having a housewife bridge, like, having someone like Sonia who's a little bit of a connector between warring factions or completely different landscapes when it comes to where these women are coming from. I actually don't think that that's a bad thing. I do think it's a problem that Luann has been struggling for a few seasons because her sole storyline has been about the wild ego associated with the cabaret and then also her legal troubles and watching her navigate sobriety. Ramona, I truly could not tell you what else, what she has been working on recently, but because she's so reactionary and such her a digestion, dick, that's what I mean, her digestion, I, I don't yeah. normalize like putting your poop in the toilet. <laughs> like, honestly, like, <laughs> by the way, I'm, I'm not, not I'm, I'm, even I'm, 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 po- I'm, I'm, I'm poop positive. You know, like I don't want to shame anybody pooping. We all do it. But I, I do find it interesting that she has repeatedly, that's another one where Ramona's poop has turned into like a friend of on this show. Yeah, and there's it's no just reason. So gross. It's like yeah, New York like she's is supposed a classy to be lady. smart. I mean, New York is supposed to be smart. It, New York is smart and funny and whimsical and sometimes wild. And last season was, I think, a difficult chapter for a lot of people because it got dark in ways that were that felt a little strange and felt a little off. Uh, especially but so with did the life. Dorinda. Well, but like the Dorinda and Tinsley Tinsley. of it all was really a difficult thing to navigate. And what we're seeing now is like a different kind of of upset. And the idea that like there was already an issue before that obviously Ebony shouldn't be responsible for because this is her very first season as a housewife. So for people to make her casting the responsibility for the season is so wildly wrong to me because we have seen the fact that the wave has been rising and it's like crashing on us and not even the women themselves. They're oblivious, but we're the ones who are the outsiders. We're the ones who are watching it week to week. And it just feels to me genuinely these episodes, the non stories, the absolute lack of stakes, even in the the women wanting a relationship with each other. It's when you don't have stakes, when it's uh, when you don't want to be friends with this person, you don't want to bury them either. You're just trying to get through getting a scene together and it feels really artificial. It's not good. I'm okay. Yeah. You know, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it, you can admit a show is not good. I mean, like we, we we can admit that this is not working. I think you know, like that's the fallacy. I, you know, it's it's like we're. I personally think Ebony is like. I I know she's going to get another season, and I'm so excited to see her around other ladies. But there's no way this is Ebony's fault. Like there's just no way there's she's a factor like anything else. But to blame that, I think is so reactionary because you blame sometimes the newest thing there or it's reactionary against the year that we just had, but it's just not working. And it's very like the minimal part of it is Ebony. The like it's everybody else. Like the relationships, we don't talk about this in terms of Beverly Hills or, or Potomac, those ladies, it's all relationships. It's all charisma and casting. And like even Giselle and Karen who don't like each other, they Mm. work so, well off of each other yeah, I mean you they need each other and that's what it's like it's not like I don't personally love Giselle but I know she is so 
a part so of that good. show She's and so, so needed yeah, and yeah, I don't so want to see her go anywhere. Definitely. But New York is like, you have Ramona and Luann and Sonia who are legendary and like, it's almost, to me, starting to affect their, their legacy because I'm just like, oh damn like this isn't fun to watch yeah it feels like we need to start playing the long game and what we're watching right now is really short-sighted and it's dumb like I'm sorry and if people are enjoying it that's awesome I want people to enjoy watching Housewives so if someone is like I'm getting something out of this season I'm learning something I'm reacting to something God bless like that's great I am jealous you are having that experience because I am not and it's okay if I'm the only one who is. I will be fine. It just so happens that it feels like the majority of people watching are not enjoying this. And I I think that that matters. I absolutely think the network is paying attention. And I think the problem, the resolution to this problem, as with many weird odd uncomfortable seasons starts with casting and and you know it's taking out the COVID of it all obviously there's a stress ball here and it's COVID blah 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 I I'm not saying that that isn't a factor but I'm saying the casting is so fucked right now wouldn't you love to be wouldn't you love to actually have an interview with the casting of this show like wouldn't you love to like I I just really would love it it becomes Mm. when things aren't working like this I immediately want to know because I know these people think things out. Like, I want to know where they thought it would go, where it didn't go, where they wanted it to go. I really am interested then when it doesn't work how the sausage is made because these aren't ignorant people. These are people, they, they chose uh, Ebony for a very specific reason. They I want to know what they, and what they think of people's comments. Like, it to me, then there's a whole nother show there of just what they thought going into the season that they were hoping to capture. Yeah, and the Ebony conversation, she said this on a clubhouse I wasn't present for but heard about. It happened well, well, well. People think that some of the focus and energy on ensuring that there was um, a woman of color in the New York franchise was a direct reaction to the Black Lives Matter resurgence, but it, mm-hmm. the conversation with Ebony herself during the show happened well, well, well prior to that. I think it was an ongoing, longer conversation. I would love to talk to the casting people and I would love to talk to the editors because there are certain franchises where it really feels like there's so much respect to the Bravo community watching. I would put Potomac at the top of the list, Atlanta. I would put New York typically there where it just feels like it's it feels like people are having fun working on the show and understanding that we are living in some darkness right now. I don't feel any presence of any fun and drunkenness is not a replacement for fun. Drunkenness <laughs> yeah, can sometimes exacerbate yeah. fun, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not, you can have one without the other. And the problem is that's what we're getting right now. And I don't need to see any more of it. Like, no, but it's, you. uh, yeah, you're right. It's like, but it's like Potomac, we're only three episodes in and you notice we're not talking about casting at all. Like we're just talking about the show. Like, I think that's like always when it, or even Beverly Hills this season, we're not talking about casting. Like, I guess there's a little bit of Dorit and I'm like, they have so much goodness. You don't need a Dorit storyline. It's perfect. The facial reactions are enough for me. A little, little Jagaloo, Jagaloo. What are you doing for mommy? 
zero complaints. Beverly Hills is having to me a perfect season. Yeah, a, a um, perfect season. Cast is great. Zero zero issues. Love. Well, you have given us so much time today. The last thing I do want to ask: I did notice you got to go to watch what happens live in person. If I'm not mistaken, is that true? I did. I went with our friend Dylan Hafer, also Dylan, known as, yes. as the genius behind Bravo by Betches. We went to the um, we went to the filming of the episode where Heather Thompson um, she brought some Holla. notes. Holla. Yeah, she she, notes. she, she apologized. Yep, she yeah. had prepared. She had a prepared speech. And Ryan Serhant um, said he uh, dated Sonia at one point in that oh episode, I believe. And Andy, I've been to watch what happens a couple of times, and he was vibing so he was it lit was, i mean not like drunk so, he was actually right, having a great no, time he was, yeah. you can tell when like you're feeding off of the energy and the room is always going to clamor for it because it's such, such a small space a very very limited number of people um they definitely handled themselves really i would think perfectly did you get from- emotional I didn't get emotional. I was just immediately like, oh, my God, I'm home. Like, oh, it, see it that just, I, I think I feel like I because to me, even watching from home, I watch I watch watch what happens live every day. Mm. And um, it is one of those things when I did see an audience there. It was kind of one of those like, wow, we might we might be getting back to normal. Like we there is some sense of normalcy with seeing a live audience in Watch What Happens Live for me. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of emotion one can feel about any Housewife show or Bravo experience. And it genuinely just felt similar to going to BravoCon in 2019. It was like just absolute liquid joy from start to finish. And it it's nice to feel that way again. I think it's like the emotion of it from a maybe a more nuanced but maybe still as guttural perspective sinks in after. But like in the moment, I was just 100% thrilled, like full Labrador energy, like very. Did you did you get to say hi to Andy? No, he asked and he asked for questions right before filming or recording at every taping. And I didn't. I think I've oh I've only asked one question at Watch What Happens, which is I went with OG of the AG, the co-creator of Andy Scrolls, Damien Bellino, and I was like, "Is Jill gonna come back to New York?" And he said, "You'd have to ask Damien because I am gonna fuck this up." But um, he was like, he said something, and I responded back, and I was like, "Okay, cool," because like this thing in X, Y, and Z, and he paused, and he was like, "Huh?" And I just thought to myself, like, "Did I just ruin?" <laughs> And this was like a couple <laughs> years ago when Jill was top of mind. Huh. Like I just was like, oh, this feels like very consistent for me that I would accidentally yeah, yeah. completely fuck this up. And I, just, I, 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 yeah, he's like, please change the name of your podcast. Oh you just- yeah, he's like, uh, a different Andrews women is gonna be the new name <laughs> after that. But um, yeah, no, it was great, and he was super happy, and the, the seeing Heather and Ryan together was fantastic. Seeing the three of them just kind of shoot yeah. the shit was really, really interesting. Uh, dream of mine to see that live. You you started off this podcast uh, saying that you had some Benefer news, and then we just got going, and we've been oh 60 God. miles an hour ever since. <laughs> Leave us with those uh, Benefer news. Um, I went to the last day of shooting. I don't remember if it was Geely G- or Jersey Girls, <gasps> but it was the... Um, What's this called? Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. The one that That's he Jersey directed. Girls. Yeah, Jersey okay, Girls. Okay, so they were filming the last night. They were filming at the Waldorf Astoria, which is right by my college dorm. So I went with a couple people to filming where you're like, you know, obviously kept out of the way and they're doing a street scene. It's Ben and Jen and then uh, Kevin Smith. And then it's over because it was the last night of shooting. 
they no longer are controlling anyone. And it was it was late at night. It was only a couple people from what I remember. And I don't even know if it was like a legal thing or they were just like, all right, you do you. So I went over to Ben and Jen and was like, <laughs> can I get a photo? And Ben, who's 850 feet tall and looks like a XXL Kendall. He is so attractive, but also just like he has large features. It's and then yeah. Jen is so it's yeah. so miniature in 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 comparison. And he was like, "Oh my god, I can't, sweetie." But thank you so much. And I sidebar later told a friend was like, "He's so nice." And I'm a New Englander, and he's from Boston. My friend was like, "How is it nice that he didn't take a photo with you?" And I was like, "Well, I, his tone was lovely, and don't take that away from me." But I, Jen, who I have since worked with on an event that I produced and was. Uh, absolutely lovely and did get a picture with her then and by the way in the taking of the photo I had just spent many many hours producing an event and the one thing that came to my mind in that moment was like I'm really obsessed with your best friendship with Leah Remini like that's the yeah, thing that yeah, I said yeah, in that yeah, moment yeah. which is so that is again a very like you like Scientology huh yeah. right how's your dad doing um but that was a wild moment but then I went over to Kevin Smith who did take a photo and gave me some advice on directing and was like that I asked for and was like uh, a better question um and was like you know yada 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 and someone came over to me with a little flyer and they were like here's the after party or whatever because they said that I looked like somebody in the crew like someone else thought they recognized (laughs) me And I was like, oh, no, that's not me. I'm just like a person looking for photos. And I didn't go because I was such a I'm such a geek. I was like, I didn't want to intrude on their even at like, you know, 12 and a half. If you're doing the math, like I didn't want to intrude on their experience. And I also would have been way too anxious to go to see whichever third grip and best boy were like putting back tequila and talking shit like I'm that was not really the vibe for me at that time um but yeah it was like a fun so watching them for the resurgence of it I am extremely supportive I I again am a proud Rhode Rhode Island native and so I as I was a part of the Rhode Island Constitution we do pledge allegiance to Matt and Ben so it's like (laughs) anything that they do I am you gotta support you got yeah I, I just I love them. I love them. So I, team team bet. I thought you were going to say you went over to Ben and asked uh, if you thought Jill was going to come back to Real Housewives of New York. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, Sarah Galley, her podcast. Of course, you already know this. There is no reason she has to do this, but she spent so much time with us today. Her podcast, Andy's Girls, you can find out on all podcasting outlets. I will say subscribe now because she doesn't want to brag for herself, but I think some really cool <laughs> things are in store. So just you know, I, I think you go subscribe now. It shows right. Right up in your feed. And what I ask of anybody that comes to, you know, you guys know the drill, like give her a five star review even before you listen to the podcast. These things are done uh, on the most part for free. And you can tell how much passion that we both have for this. And um, I think it's a really special community that we're all a part of. So she's also just really brilliant and funny and you got to go support. And you can find out everything that you need to about housewives and even the deeper psychological meanings. I mean, I don't know if she took my insurance today for <laughs> all the uh, therapy she gave me, but uh, we will uh, we'll find out next time. But Sarah, is there anything else that we can support you with? I oh, just, you and by the way, Patreon, oh. Patreon too. You have a Patreon I with with Patreon. Uh, better, not better episodes, with more episodes and more content over there, and that's just Patreon dot Patreon dot com forward slash Andy's Girls. Yes, 
Ryan. Okay, sweet. Oh yeah. Oh, the, the other thing is, oh. follow her on Instagram. She's so close <laughs> I don't to. Even remember this. She's yeah. so close to ten thousand. Get her the swipe up because I feel like she's going to be dangerous with the swipe up, and I want to see that. Can I? I have so many videos from BravoCon that I forgot to post, and all of my goal, my one goal in life, is to swipe up. I really, I desperately want that K. I want that K before BravoCon. I just, yeah. just for my own emotional. If we're going to talk about like emotional, the support animal of it all, like my. My chosen support animal would be having 10k on IG. And oh, so well, that's, that's I would gonna, appreciate it if anybody yeah. wants to. And I post about shoes, and I, I'm a big fan of guinea pigs. You know that kind of content. <laughs> Sarah, hey, the what, fairy. Hey, I'm a fairy. Hey, maybe uh, quit while you're ahead. <laughs> <laughs> shoes and guinea pigs. People are like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm multifaceted, Ryan. You contain multitudes, as uh, any good housewife does. I do. And thank you so much for having me. You were always so generous oh. and so supportive. It's always a blast. I could. We could have gone another hour we could have gone totally. another hour easily so uh, hopefully you keep coming back and and, and vice Love. versa but uh thanks so much and sarah galley ladies and gentlemen goodbye <laughs> betches